Hello, this is Dwayne McCurry. I'm the team leader for Adult Explore the Bible here at Lifeway. And today I'm being joined by David Briscoe, who is one of the content editors on the team. David, glad to have you with us today. Thanks, Dwayne. Glad to be here. Uh, we're going to be focusing on, like I said, session nine, and we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Paul is he's going to identify two groups of people. He's going to direct Timothy to be diligent in studying God's Word because in con, he's going to, it's in contrast to those who um, were distracted by worldly philosophies. Timothy was to warn others. He was to expose the danger of basing one's life on something other than the gospel. He reminded Timothy that the gospel is stronger than any false teaching. So you have those two groups, those who are faithful to the gospel and those who are not. He also is going to carry this idea that there are two vessels. He charges Timothy to flee sin and pursue righteousness so he can become or remain useful in God's service. He pointed to various pots and utensils in a house to illustrate that some have a place of honor uh, by being cleaned of the things that would contaminate them. He also points to two approaches. Paul encouraged Timothy to avoid useless quarrels and instead, the second approach, to offer the truth of the gospel. Timothy was to do so with gentleness and kindness out of a hope that opponents to the gospel will repent and turn to Christ. Um, when you think about false teachers, there is a, a resource, a, a tool that's in the leader pack that I think will help you understand what some of these false teachings were. It, it's actually two parts. There's pack item 5 and pack item 13. Pack item 5 is a poster. It's referred to in the teaching plans, in the group plans, and it just simply tells you about three main false teachings. Those false teachings were legalism, antinomianism, which is another way of saying anti-law, so it's the other side of legalism. Legalism, you embrace the law and you have to use the law for everything and then the antinomianism is the idea that you're free from the law you don't have anything to do with the law and you can live however you want to and then the third teaching is gnosticism the you got two options really two different ways of using the two pack items together you can make photocopies of pack item 13 it's a handout and you can distribute that to the class while the poster's on a wall and then you, or you could, you yourself have that handout as a resource, and you write insights, things that will help explain those three false teachings legalism, antinomianism, and Gnosticism during the session itself. So, those two different ways that you can use that, those pack items during this session. Uh, David, this passage reminds us of the need for all of us to study the Bible and to continue to do so no matter how many times we've read it. Uh, what are some insights, thoughts you have about that, that idea? Well, I think it's absolutely correct. Uh, and Paul was certainly encouraging Timothy to, to stay in the Word, uh, reminding him that he, he had been told about the Scriptures and uh, given the Scriptures from the time that he was just a child. So the idea that we as believers today, we, we also need to study the Bible continuously, be, first of all, because uh, of the very nature of Scripture. 
uh, I think of Psalm 19, one of my favorite passages, Psalm 19, 7 through 11, which talks about God's Word, that it's a perfect treasure, uh, and that it's uh, effective at, in, in uh, strengthening a person to uh, serve the Lord. And Paul himself deals with this uh, also later on in 2 Timothy 3.15, that uh, very familiar verse where he, he says to Timothy, you know, from infancy you are you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation. It, it tells you how to be saved uh, through faith in script uh, in Jesus Christ, and uh, talks about scripture being inspired by God and profitable. I think of the uh, the term we use today, return on investment. Well, what's the return on investment from? Uh, from studying and uh, staying in the Word of God, well, it's effective for uh, rebuking when we need to, for correcting uh, false ideas, for training in righteousness. Uh, so Paul is is encouraging Timothy, but encouraging all of us as well as we read Second Timothy uh, two fourteen to twenty six to stay in the Word of God. In Ephesus, of course, there were some false teachers. Who were, who were misusing the Scriptures. And in one case, they seemed to be taking uh, Old Testament genealogies and just uh, drawing fanciful stories and attaching them to someone whose name was in an Old Testament genealogy. So they, they were misusing the Scriptures. So Paul is saying to us that we need to be diligent about our study of Scripture uh, so that we know what is the truth. So if we know what the truth is, we know what non-truth looks like then. Absolutely. And that's uh, an illustration of that when, when you talk about uh, those who train to detect uh, counterfeit money. Uh, it's not that you train to look at counterfeit money and see what might be wrong. You look and train at real money, at the true money, and then you're able to uh, look at counterfeit money and know, well, here's something that isn't right. The same way, if we're immersed in God's Word, if we study God's Word diligently, if we know it and we know the truth, then when we hear that which is counter to God's Word, we're able to recognize, hey, that's, that's false. That's teach, teaching that uh, is not right and to reject it. The command that Paul gives here is for Timothy to not just study, but to act upon it, to purify, flee, uh, resist. How do those things work together, David? All right. Well, that, that's an interesting uh, point, and, and I think a very good point to make, that is that our, um, our call to study the Scripture is not just so that we will have head knowledge about what the Bible says. That's important. But it's really to translate into uh, helping us live uh, the kind of lives that please God. So uh, there in verse 20, uh, 2 Timothy 2, 21, you have this verb, uh, purify. Anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable. Uh, in verse 22, Paul says, flee to Timothy, flee from youthful passions. Uh, in verse 23, he said, reject or refuse uh, these foolish and ignorant uh, disputes uh, because they only breed quarrels. So all, all three of these uh, terms, these action terms, uh, really are facets 
of one reality, and that's that's a reality of sanctification. We are we are called to salvation. Once we are saved, we are called to sanctification, and that is to grow in our faith. And how do we grow in our faith? Through studying God's Word. We're able to uh, purify, to cleanse. That's the meaning of that term. Uh, that within us, which is uh, not does not need to be there. Uh, we're able to flee the kinds of uh, human passions, desires that, uh, if if they're out of control, they they lead us into uh, destructive and sinful behavior. We're able to refuse and to reject uh, and avoid the kinds of uh, either beliefs or actions that then displease God. Would it be safe to say that all three of those things are happening simultaneously? It's not like you purify, then flee, then reject, but it's they're all happening together. I, I would take them to be different facets of that one reality. One, okay. uh, and so, yeah, they're, they're working in tandem. They're working uh, as one, and from one angle it might be, yeah, I, I need to purge something. I need to purify. From another angle, it's, well, I need to flee. I need to run from this. Speaking of flee, David, the, the Bible skill for this session encourages us to use a concordance and look for other places where Paul told people to flee. Um, how did those instances compare when you find the when you look at those? All right. Well, of course, there's the the literal meaning of the word flee. It's just to run, and and uh, I found a an example of that idea in Genesis twenty seven forty three, where uh, Rebecca tells Jacob, her son. This is after he has uh, twice deceived his brother Esau, and Esau is determined that he's going to kill his brother Jacob. And so what does Rebekah, their mother, say to Jacob? Uh, in Genesis 27, 43, she says, flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Get out of here. Run, because you're in danger. Now, that's, that's the literal meaning. In the, uh, the ways in which Paul used this term, especially in the New Testament, it, it really means to shun or to avoid something intently. You get the idea of running from something, uh, at least figuratively. So we find in 1 Corinthians 6.18, Paul says, flee sexual immorality, run from it, avoid it, shun it, don't do it. In 1 Corinthians 10.14, he writes, so then, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. Idolatry is putting something uh, in the place of God that is not God. And so uh, we ought to run from anything that uh, would be construed as uh, putting something else in the place of God. And then in 1 Timothy 6.11, he's writing to uh, Timothy there in the first letter, uh, he's, he's advising Timothy that he needs to flee from these unhealthy interests in just, just argument for argument's sake, disputes and uh, arguments over what's a word mean, this word or that word. Those are the, some of the kinds of uh, debates and arguments that were going on in the church at Ephesus. Uh, and Paul said, flee from that. Uh, avoid that. You don't get any benefit from those kinds of it's kind of um, funny he's coming back to that same message exactly. here in this in this second letter to Timothy. Right, exactly, where where he's talking about 
fleeing from those youthful passions, and instead, uh, if you're fleeing from something, you can also pursue something else. So he's talking about in verse 22, 2 Timothy 2.22, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. When he when he's moving forward in this, his letter here to Timothy, he talks about Timothy, you know, not not engaging in those quarrels and instead to offer the truth of the gospel, but he's to do it with gentleness and kindness. There's a part of me that that kind of sees it ironic that Paul is calling on someone to be gentle, because there's times I don't know that I see Paul as a gentle confronter. Um, um, so, you know, you have Paul telling Timothy to do that here, but he's also wanting him to be gentle and bold at the same time. How can we help the folks who will be uh, leading this Sunday or during our Bible study time, maybe not Sunday, whenever we do our Bible study time, how will we help them understand the, the balance between gentleness and boldness and then Paul calling on someone to be gentle when there are times in Scripture he doesn't present himself as being gentle in some ways. All right, and I think you're referring to Second uh, Timothy two twenty four and twenty five, where in verse twenty four, uh, Paul writes, "The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient." Now that's that's one Greek word there. In verse twenty five. He talks about instructing his opponents with gentleness, instructing opponents with gentleness. That's a second Greek word, and uh, I want to point those out. How are those different? All right. So uh, first of all, then, I would contend that in many situations where Paul was talking about in verse 24 that the Lord's servant must not quarrel but must be gentle, I, I would contend that in many of those situations it requires more courage to remain calm and act with kindness than to fly off the handle and to try to beat down your opponent. Now, you know, when you, when you talk about uh, being gentle and being bold, our, our natural sinful tendency is uh, it gets selfish. We want to get the upper hand. We want we to, want to win. We want to win exactly. Win at all costs. Uh, but Paul is talking about uh, taking a humble approach uh, and being willing to be firm, uh, to stand on uh, the teaching, the truth of Scripture, uh, to stand on the gospel. Uh, and yet, at the same time, not allowing our human tendency to get angry and to become self-centered and to have to win against an opponent, but to remain uh, patient and calm. Uh, and and then secondly, in this, in but verse 25. Before, that kind of diffuses the conflict at that point because you're not fighting, you're just sharing information. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh -huh. and, and you're, you know, you're staying uh, solid in the Scripture and in, in the uh, right doctrine, uh, but you're not uh, using it. You're not using the, the Bible. You're not using uh, your own Christian experience to kind of as a, uh, as a hammer to beat over the head of an opponent, but you're being patient and you're being kind and gentle uh, with um, 
with an uh, even an opponent. So a phrase I think uh, that might be helpful here is, we present the truth and then let God do what only God can do. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, in verse 25, when he talks about instructing his opponents with gentleness, now this is a this is a Greek term uh, which sometimes is translated meekness. And so one of the best examples of this idea, the word is not used, but in James 3.3, 3, uh, the Bible talks about now if we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us and we direct their whole bodies, uh, when, when you put a bridle uh, in a horse's mouth, uh, you're not beating them down. You're, a horse is strong and, and powerful, but you are using uh, a particular way of, of meekness, let's say, of, of guiding and um, steering uh, the strength of someone uh, in order to uh, be pleasing to God. So gentleness in this sense is really strength or boldness, we might say, under control. And Paul in Galatians 5.23 rather, reminds us that gentleness in this sense is really part of the Spirit's fruit in our lives. So the, the Spirit must work in us to give us this gentleness that we need, especially when dealing with opponents there. We're to be under control, bold, but under control. So that's, that's how I think uh, just to answer the question, how can we be gentle and bold at the same time? Well, it is the work of the Holy Spirit in us uh, that we uh, that that we incorporate the uh, the fruit of the Spirit of being gentle, meek, under control, and yet bold in the sense of standing on God's word. We see how God's word, when we study it, uh, the Holy Spirit impacts our lives shapes us so that we do begin to and we continue to show those fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians that we're talking about. And in, the, and in that process, then we're able to stand with confidence. As, let's use confidence instead of boldness. We're standing with confidence uh, and have both the confidence and the gentleness because of what the Spirit's doing in us through the study of God's Word. So you kind of see how all those things work together in this passage. Right. And, and I would add one other thing, and that is uh, in, in answer to, you know, how Paul doesn't seem to be gentle sometimes in, in what he's telling uh, others, and, and how do we deal with that? Well, I, I would say that when you're, uh, when you're incorporating and, and exhibiting the gentleness that is a, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, you're not talking about timidity. Uh, Paul instructed Timothy, you know, don't, don't, don't let timidity uh, rule your life. It, it's also not a denial of danger. In other words, yeah, you can get into some uh, difficult situations sometimes by standing on God's Word and, and standing bold but gentle. But what, what Paul is talking about is keeping a, a Christ-like goal in mind. This, this comes out especially uh, when he's talking about instructing the opponents with gentleness. Now, why not just let it fly and, and, uh, and try to win? Well, here's what Paul is saying. If you keep in mind that even these opponents 
might be led to repentance. Perhaps God will grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil. When when you see that your opponent is in the chains of the devil, when you see that they uh, are lost, that they are uh, simply under the control of a power greater than themselves that is um, a sinful power, uh, Paul calls on us to look through the lens of, of spiritual gentleness, meekness, to see that there is someone who needs help. They don't need to be beaten down further. They're already in chains. So you see them as people and not opponents. Exactly. And then you think being redemptive versus winning. Exactly. And, and you know, this, this, uh, it's almost a cliche when we talk about uh, loving the sinner but not the sin. That, that's sort of what Paul is talking about here is when you, when you see people uh, as uh, who are, are opposed to the gospel, opposed to Christ, uh, when you see them and recognize, you know, I once was like that too. I once was lost, but now I'm found. That person that person who is opposing the gospel, opposing Christ, uh, it may be that if you act with gentleness, strength, boldness, but gentleness, God may grant that person repentance and they might be drawn into the family of Christ. Uh, <laughs> Instead of standing across from you, they may be standing next to you. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, this is a challenging lesson. It reminds us of the value of, of Scripture. It reminds us of um, our responsibility to share with others. Um, it, it reminds us of, of what God calls us to be, which is to be his witnesses in this world. Uh, David, thank you for spending time with us today, for sharing with us. I um, hope you join us next week. We look at session 10. And God bless you as you teach uh, this week uh, on the truth of God's word.